0: and welcome to watch the throne what a lovely day this is episode 12
1: the yards from 2000 i'm mike manzi and i'm joey lewandowski with us today first time guest of the podcast long time guest the Cage Club Podcast Network family, Zach on Hello, Zach. Hello. How are you?
2: <laughs> Not bad. Yourself? Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. This is going to come out in end of February, but Happy New Year nonetheless.
2: It's still new in February.
1: Welcome to the throne. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the throne. You have joined us for one of, I'm going to go out there on a limb, Mike, one of the three best movies we've done so far out of 12. Uh, Slim Pickens. <laughs> but... Slim Pickens. Would you
0: agree? Would I agree. It is not in my top three. Oh. Really?
1: Okay. No, it's not. Wow. Okay. So we'll get to it. I think, before we get further, I think you could convince me this is a masterpiece. I don't think it is. I I gave it like three and a half. I sort of spent a lot of the movie going back and forth in terms of appreciating how little happens and then also wishing more happened. Same. But at the end of the day, I really like this.
2: Me too. I, I thought it was it was very like understated and settled and filmic, very filmic. That's a good word for it. Yeah, you could easily convince me it's a masterpiece, also. But yeah, it's, it's as I as I have it, it's a four out of five for me. Whoa! I don't know. <laughs> I'm
0: spinning. Um, I mean, look. I mean, there's more than just nice cinematography in this movie. I'll I'll start there. Usually, that's my one saving grace. Like, I don't hate this movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I. I do not see what you guys see in this film. Like, I was I was with it. I liked how it was starting. I loved that opening party scene uh, in yep. the apartment. And then, I, I don't know, I just got bored, kind of confused. Mark Wahlberg is just not helping. <laughs> and Charlize's role is pretty minor. I, I was not really into this one, guys.
1: Mm. I think Mark Wahlberg's really good in this. Me too. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that Charlize should have and could have more to do, but I think Mark Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix are both really, really goodness, and so is James Caan.
2: Right, just just because we have an axe to grind, you know, uh, in terms of Charlize, doesn't mean that you know the, the movie is bad because right. she's not a big part of it. Yeah, Wahlberg was all right. I, I really liked Joaquin. I mean, I'm a big Joaquin yes. man. So
0: I agree with Joaquin. Like, he, I got a bit of his Johnny Cash vibe in this movie. <laughs> he Definitely has the greaser sort of look, which is fine. It translates into his. Character well, like I liked him i i James Kahn was all right, like I, I don't know, Mark Wahlberg, I guess it's. For me I just felt like he was doing Rocky, like he's kind of mumbling. He's very low key. Like I understand the movie is sort of low oh, but key. Everybody
2: also. mumbles. Also I actually I was one of my notes that was so much mumbling. Mm-hmm. There's still like too much. Like no nobody, <laughs> nobody everyone has his marbles in their mouth. It's it's definitely a thing.
0: I guess I just expected his sort of life after prison to be a little I don't know. He's kind of like a dummy, actually that was hurting me too. Like I, I had I guess troubles with like the whole thing that he gets involved with. Like that for me is Well, he's the family dummy.
2: He's their, he's their Punching The whole reason he was in prison for the first, in the first place is because he took the fall for them. And he's, he's clearly like, yeah. like yeah, that's why no they snitch. value him is because he's a dummy.
1: I think a lot of the movies that are similar to this in that they follow a guy getting out of prison, I mean, it's not about him, but, you know, Drive, when Oscar Isaac gets out of prison, like he falls right back into a life of crime too. And like, I believe it, I buy it. I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a story that I've seen before, but it's, I, 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 I'm into it.
0: We had that Keanu movie with, with James Caan when he came out of prison and they were going to rob a bank or something and they ended up putting on a play.
1: You remember that oh, one? Oh, what was like, that movie? Just might was on that episode. It was with Vera Farmiga. Henry's Crime. Henry's Crime,
0: yeah. I mean, I... This is I, a much better movie than Henry's Crime.
1: Yes, yes. This is not
0: a comedy or doesn't think it's funny by any means. It's very serious. I guess what was throwing me was like the whole thing is about the train yard, like the, behind this, the corruption behind the scenes yes. of the New York City transit system. That was just like i was like that's what that's like, it was a real
2: I'm thing not... it was a real it was based on a real scandal in the 1980
0: oh i wish i was a little more privy to that because i just was not engaged in that
1: central storyline, so that was a trouble for me. So, you know, this is directed by James Gray, who most recently just did The Lost City of Z. Uh, we talked No about shit! Him. This
2: is him? I was wondering what else he did.
1: Yeah, we talked about him either on a Cinemakers, or maybe just when you and me and Tobin were talking about it, but he also did The Immigrant, oh. that movie with Marion Cotillard.
0: I brought him up during Che because of the Bolivian jungle.
1: This is written by him and Matt Reeves.
0: Yeah, I saw who that. Who
1: went on to do the Planet of the Apes movies, and like a bunch of stuff. Wow. I wish I knew he directed this because I love Lost City of Z so much. I need to see that. So, yeah, so the film was based on a real-life corruption scandal in the mid-80s that involved the father of co-writer and director James Gray. So this is something (laughs) that matters to him that he cares about.
0: I did not pick up on the time period. They mentioned the blackout at one point, but I didn't know what blackout they were referring to or if it was just fictional But.
2: I didn't get a sense of
0: time like that. I wish I knew more that it was based on a true story.
2: Did, was there a title, or a time card in the beginning? Did they say? I don't remember. I, don't I remember being a little confused. So.
1: And it also doesn't, I don't think it really establishes place really well. Like <laughs> yeah, I just I sort like, of assumed for a little bit it was Boston. I'm like, oh no, it's Queens. <laughs> just because like, okay.
2: it's, it's Marky Mark, it's always Boston. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Charlize with a Boston accent. I
1: was like, oh wait, no, that's just a New York accent. I guess New that's York. not, it's just her with an accent, which we haven't heard yet, I don't think. Hi, Editor Joey here again for what feels like my second time in as many weeks, but who knows? I can't tell. I can't keep track of time anymore. We have heard Charlize with an accent before. We've heard her down south in The Devil's Advocate and Cider House Rules, but this is a new accent. So that's all I was trying to say. Back to the show. He translates
0: fine from (laughs) like Boston to New York. I don't feel like Marky skips a beat during that. Charlize. A little weird. Yeah, like, I I don't know. This is like another sort of uh, moment, like Cider House Rules, where I just feel like she's a little miscast here. Because she could do this standing on her head. Like, she's done stuff like this already, like, way better, where she's just sort of like the trophy. You know, she's like the furniture, like the trophy wife or something. I think it's a little deeper in this. I think it's a little deeper. But for the most part, she's Joaquin Phoenix's hot girlfriend. She's Marky Mark's hot cousin, <laughs> and I just feel like she's a little just miscast. She doesn't have, like, she doesn't look sort of tough enough. Like, everyone else in the movie looks
2: tough. Oh, she looks tough in a you know, weird way. She looks like uh, like uh yes. Eleven, uh you know, in season two. <laughs> yeah, she's
0: very, like, late 80s tough, like Blade Runner. She almost looks like Pris in Blade Runner in a few moments. Yeah.
1: I don't know if she's miscast or not. I don't think that th- it's fair... I think there's too much going on here, I think you started alluding to this, to, like, trivialize her as the trophy girlfriend. It feels like, I think that's another reason why I thought it was Boston, because there's, like, this real familial thing... Which I guess is similar between the two cities. All the guys kind of protect the girls, but the girls can also hold their own. And then you add the extra layer that, like, when they were fifteen, she and Mark Wahlberg were like were in a relationship, and it's just like, oh, like there's there's yeah. a lot happening here. It's
2: really glossed over, and suddenly at the end of Dude, the movie,
1: could we just get there? <laughs> yeah, let's get there. But, like, so from the very first <laughs> shot, right? So Mark Wahlberg comes back to the apartment. We see him look at her, and I'm like. Oh, they're gonna fuck, and yeah, then you find out yeah. they're cousins. It didn't and I was come like, out of nowhere. I'm like, huh. they're
2: still gonna fuck. <laughs> I, I was didn't like, care. Huh. <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually glad they gave us the closure on that. Yeah, I was, I, I was, yeah. I, it was building the entire movie. I'm like, what is up with these guys?
0: I must have dozed off because
2: I didn't even pick up that. When they were fifteen or whatever
0: that they were involved, I just thought that in this movie they needed to fuck. (laughs) No, no, no. It's like
1: it's like sort of swept under the rug toward the end. But I think James Khan. Somebody's talking to Joaquin Phoenix about like their history and about is it the mom and about how they were super close. And one time when they were fifteen, she walked in
2: together. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Okay, because James
0: Khan's not her. That's her stepdad. We find out that that threw me also. I thought something was gonna happen there when she goes to visit him in the office, and I was like, ugh.
2: The family relations were a little bit muddy. I wasn't entirely keeping up with it.
0: Yeah, and I thought that Joaquin was Marky Mark's, I'm sorry to call him Marky Mark, his character (laughs) is Leo. I thought he was Leo's brother. I was like, wait, they're not Brothers, like they're, they're halfway just, through they're the not movie. Related, I don't think right. They <laughs> they're they're, not, they're just really good friends. friends.
2: In the beginning, he's like, "How do you like your new mother?" or whatever. Like, "How do you like your new <laughs> father?" I forget. I'm not good. That strange, at That was strange
0: too. When Mark Wahlberg goes to meet James Caan for the first time, I'm like, "How is he meeting his uncle for the first time?" And then I had to put it together that, like, oh, he was in prison, and this isn't his. This is his step uncle, yeah. and like, okay, I guess it's plausible.
1: So I think what the confusion comes from is that this is such a family-focused movie and like a family business, and like why. Joaquin Phoenix is just there, not even by marriage yet. Like, I mean, he, he kind of proposes in the middle of the movie, and they break it off by the end, but it feels like well, it's <laughs> central. So to speak. Well, I mean, I, mean it's, it's, I love how you just put it.
2: Like, they... Well, it's incest. Why not necrophilia?
1: This is, Zach, believe it or not, this is the fifth time in 12 movies that Charlize has died. <laughs> yeah. I just stood up, and I was like, there it is.
2: There it is.
0: Like, I and can't believe it.
1: <laughs> probably, like, the ninth or tenth time that she got naked, and she didn't have to get naked in this oh.
0: movie. Oh that really made me mad like it was such a gratuitous Mm. topless shot because the scene was basically over and then you could almost hear the director off screen go take your shirt off take your shirt (laughs) off and like her just take her top off for no reason and then they fall back onto the couch or i was just so upset about that i mean that's weird that i was upset to see like a topless girl especially Charlize, but it just felt so
2: unnecessary the moment didn't seem as unearned to me when i was watching it i don't know i didn't
0: because I liked what was happening in that moment. Joaquin had just murdered some dude, you know, he yep. didn't intend to or anything, and, like, she wants him, like, she's really turned on right then, and, like, he had, you know, like, that's a very sort of interesting moment there.
1: But she's kind of consoling him.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't really want it or can't process right. what's been going on. Again, like, I don't think it's a bad movie, and, like, I think there's stuff here and everything I'm just I just wish I don't know stuff was a little more clear or things were a little more exciting maybe I guess I was just thrown off by how much like we're gonna be going to
1: like meetings and things like that well so I, I think it's clear enough I mean maybe you just fell asleep with the wrong parts <laughs> it reminded me also of Act of Vengeance a little bit that Charles Bronson movie about the unions right like oh, we're just yeah where it's the, the very early Keanu Club movie where there's just stuff going on behind the scenes like James Conn's. Seems like an upstanding citizen, but he's just—he's crooked in a way that's sort of accepted, right? Like right. he's doing things the right way, even though he's getting rich because of it. I don't think it's unfair to say, although like you, you might get mad, Zach and I were talking about this a little bit before you popped on, but like there's definitely heavy Godfather vibes here, and it's just oh sort of oh, I picked up on some yeah backroom machinations and like especially with James Conn there, but just sort of mm-hmm. the early on the Godfather before like you know people start getting whacked. I mean, people do die in this movie, but like. No, but the politics of crime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All the backdoor dealings. You know, you
0: got the senator in your pocket. The cops are on. They're all crooked. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I'm not upset about that connection whatsoever. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I I almost wish they played it up more. Like, it's interesting that the Joaquin Phoenix is the most interesting character because he's like this outsider in a lot of ways, you know? But they don't really use that a lot. Like, they treat him more like an insider than, you know, someone in the family. And that's interesting. And I just wish that was a little more central.
2: This could have been a really good three-hour movie.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think you're
2: right. (laughs) Yes.
0: Maybe it would have benefited from an extra 20 minutes.
1: So now what's weird, Mike, Zach and I were also talking about this before, there are two cuts of this movie. There's the director's cut and theatrical cut. I think, I think we all watched the director's cut, which is two minutes okay. longer and ends with him testifying against the family.
2: Well, Wikipedia says it's the other way around. It's the other way around? Yeah, Wikipedia says the, non, the non-director's the non cut ends with him testifying. The director's cut... Oh! Is, yeah, the director's cut ends with him just leaving.
0: Because that is necessary because that's like his entire arc right there. Like, he went to yeah. prison for not switching. And, and I actually think that's Mark Wahlberg's, one of his... Best moments on screen at all. It's like I finally feel like I'm seeing him break down and do stuff that uh, out of his shell. And he doesn't seem like he's acting in that moment. Like it almost feels like he's drawing from, you know, his youth when he might have ratted on some friends to get out of a situation and like gotten called on it because, you know, he's from those mean streets and stuff. So I actually. Thought that moment, you know, helped the movie tremendously there at the end. I was like, good, he's testifying, and Mark Wahlberg's actually emoting here.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's unclear what we all watched, I think, because it, it's. It also <laughs> feels. I mean, but, like, I, I think that that's important at the end. I agree with everything you just said. And I think that that, like, also gives not only him closure, but the movie closure, too. Like, if, if that doesn't yeah. happen, and he just rides off, we're just supposed to be like, oh, well, that's just, I guess, still going on? Like, I don't it's know. It's very
0: Chinatown in that sense then, right? Yeah. It's like,
1: oh, you can't change anything. There's nothing you
0: can do about it. You might as well just, like, leave town. <laughs> but that's interesting. charlie has been in a lot of alternate cuts. I feel like we just did the Reindeers game director's yep. cut. Which was like the steamy sexy version. Ugh. And there was the, That Thing You Do
1: forty Minute Longer cut. Mhm. Yeah, so like that's been a big thing already in uh, Watch the Throne. So this movie, I don't know if you've read this either of you, but there this movie was originally supposed to it was shot I think in ninety eight and then got shelved for a couple of years because of production and studio problems. Oh uh, it was huh. supposed to come out in the summer of ninety eight. No, shot during spring and summer ninety eight. It was supposed to come out in fall ninety nine but then wound up coming out fall 2000 because of delays. So this is actually before she filmed this before. This might come, you know, basically right after Devil's Advocate, maybe, or like shortly after that, so a handful of movies ago. So she's young. She's like 24, 25 when filming this.
0: I wonder if that can account for her dark hair. Astronaut's Wife, it was short and blonde again right after. So, like, I wonder if, like, yeah, that's interesting. Now that you say that, I definitely think everybody looks like Younger in this movie than than time uh, should have
1: told, but and that's that's like another thing that I think we've we've popped up a couple times. Just to let you know, Zach, is that like a couple times I feel already we've had mm-hmm. delays, like production delays, and things were delayed, and like she shot something and something else came out before, and it just I'm sure that happens all the time, but it, mm. it didn't feel like something that we read about for Cage or Keanu much, and here uh, that's at least I, think, I can't remember the other examples, but like two or three times. Here.
2: <laughs> she's she's a production delay. It nice. must be her fault. <laughs> <What a> diva. <laughs> yeah, really. Man, she come
0: to find out, like, it's all of her, like, uh, demands, and <laughs> it's her rider and everything that they can't fulfill. No. My hair's
2: not dark enough.
0: <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting, though, the like, she's really, like, in all parts of the system, like, representing, you know, like, she's got comedies, she's done horror, she's doing thrillers, she's had films delayed and come out after yep. other ones have been filmed. Like, it's kind of she fun dies that way. Dies I, I like that variety. Yeah, she's the most died, or uh, the most... Most <laughs> she's dead. She's the most died actor I've right known, but like, yeah, she's died the most, I think, so far out of anyone that we've covered, like, it's,
1: she's keeping it fun, at least. Yeah. And she's also right now in a mini bit of, a, a, a mini streak of crime movies, at least in terms of what's released, because last week we had Ben Affleck in Reindeer Games, which is crime, and here, <sighs> we got another Boston connection, Wahlberg, in cr- a crime movie here, so there's a little bit of a crime spree, if you will, here you watch <laughs> The Throne.
0: Oh, man, but this uh, this is way better than Reindeer Games. Like, this is a competent film. You know what I'm saying? I just <laughs> oh, think yeah, I no. was thrown off guard because, like, I... I basically just read like the yards like uh, Mark Wahlberg like works at a train yard <laughs> and I thought it was going to be more of like a taking of the felon kind of thing or like a real heist kind of movie so no, that's I why think I fell asleep. we're knotted off I didn't full on fall asleep but I I mean like I think that was why I think like my expectations were a little sideways maybe if I sat down again and gave it another try I, I would see some another side of it some more some more in there somewhere
1: well I can tell you that America is sort of on your side in that they set a $24 million budget and made less than 900000
2: Jesus. at the box
1: office. Oh. So Ouch. I don't know how it was sold, but people were not into it. I was telling you, though, Mike, before we watched it, I was doing a little bit of research. I saw who was in it. I saw who the director was. I saw the writers were. I saw a couple of people I follow on Letterboxd whose opinions I generally trust gave it good scores. I was like, I have a good feeling about this. And so I think I went into this like with a, an open mind and an open heart. And I was rewarded, I think. If it's not in your top three, where is it on your list? Okay, so let me see. I have my list right here. I have it six.
0: So oh, wow. well, I, that's it's because look, like my list is kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it goes because I have favoritism going on. Like it's not best movie. It's the movie I like. I would rewatch okay, again. Okay, sure. So, yeah, yeah. Devil's Advocate, right?
1: That, that, that thing. You do. Same as me.
0: Mighty Joe Young. Way too high, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> Children of the Corn 3. I guess, okay, yeah, sure. Two Days in the Valley and then The Yards. Wow, you, th- you would rather watch Two Days in the Valley than this? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, that th- it fluctuates. I just, I just assigned it today, so we'll see right.
2: where
1: it sits after this conversation. But as of now, like, it's in the middle.
2: What about you, Joey?
1: I have it wedged right between That Thing You Do at number 2 and Children of the Corn at number 4, so... I really dug this movie. I mean, I don't. Th- I don't think this is the kind of movie that you could. Well, maybe it is. I was gonna say I don't think. I don't know. If it, I don't think it's the kind of movie that you could watch over and over again. But like, maybe you can.
2: I bet it would open up. I mean, especially once you know the, the family ties better. You know, you know yeah. all the stuff that confused us better. I would give the director's cut or whatever other cut. The one,
0: the one we didn't watch. Like, I'm, a, I'm actually kind of a fan of that. Like, I always try and want to see, you know, the whole everything down. And now I'm really getting into it with like the stupid novelizations and stuff and even going back to reading like the source material for some movies just in my spare time and stuff like i'm really becoming a fan of just trying to get the whole story whereas i used to be a guy who was like hey whatever was in the theaters that's all that should be seen you know that that's what was released now i'm more along the lines of i want to kind of see it all whereas with reindeer games i wouldn't go back and watch another cut of that movie with this (laughs) movie i definitely would go back and see what the other cut's all about, especially knowing who the director is and more, you know, because I
1: really, again, love Lost City of Z.
2: I need to see that.
1: From what we read, I think the the difference is just where it ends. So I think, like, you know, the first 98% of the movie is the same. The last scene, I guess, is different. I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, I would still give it another shot before a lot of other movies I mean it's not high on my rewatch list but it's you know it would be on
2: there sounds like we're we're convincing him it's a masterpiece
0: Yeah. well no like that, <laughs> I don't think I'm ever gonna reach that level but you know I definitely have respect for the film like I now especially learning the true story side and how closely the filmmakers connected and everything like I, I like that angle and that will change my perspective of a movie or a piece of art or something like that you know and make me reconsider it so so
1: nothing's really set in stone right now. Mm. And also another thing to point out is the composer, I don't know if you looked this up, is Howard Shore, who did oh. Seven and the Lord of the Rings movies and Silence oh, of the wow. Lambs and Spotlight and The Departed. Like, works with Scorsese a lot. The score uh, was works great. Works a lot. The score was really, really good. Like, this is a well-made, maybe you could say it's confusing, maybe you could say it's slow, but other than that, like I don't think there's like bad things about it, really. Like, mm. it might not be your cup of tea or what you're looking for to watch or what you're hoping for, but like, I think behind the scenes and in front of the camera, like people are nailing it.
0: Yeah, like I feel like it's well directed. I don't feel like it's a confusing movie. I'm just feel like I was confused just because <laughs> of like I said, like I wasn't expecting this type of movie. Like I didn't think it was gonna be like a slow burning thriller. Like I thought it was gonna have more action or at least, you know, some more violence and I just was expecting more of like what I would generally get from a Mark Wahlberg film, I guess. Like something just a little more commercial and this isn't, and I think that's a good thing, you know, like this, plays much more like darker indie drama kind of thing that got like studio power behind it you know and was able to get a lot of good talent and looks great it sounds great um, it is kind of strange that I had never heard of this movie until we started doing this well, podcast yeah. you know like that is kind of a strange thing considering like
1: everybody behind yeah. it. It comes at a point in his career he had just done Basketball Diaries, Fear, Traveler Boogie Nights Then he probably filmed this like it's, it's not he's not like a really commercial actor yet I don't think he's still sort of in that, like, indie scene, so mm. I think it sort of fits yeah, it. I think I think, you know, modern day Mark Wahlberg, you're like, oh, he's the face of the Transformers franchise now, or whatever, so, like, you have that in your head, but here, back here, it's like, oh, no, he's still this guy who, like, I really have a difficult time figuring out what women find attractive, I think, but, like, he, he's a good-looking dude this week. Like, I finally get it. Like, I feel like, what? you think he's, he's weird-looking in this?
0: Kinda, yeah. I was gonna sort of comment on his, like, devolved sort of face, I feel. <laughs> like, I, cause, like, no, man. when I grew up, like, Mark Wahlberg was known for selling underwear and girls loved him because he had an incredibly chiseled body and stuff i never got it was like i always thought he had like a mean face or like a beat up kind like a tough face you know i didn't think it was ever his good looks or anything like that like i just always considered him to be like a tough looking dude you know like not a good looking dude
1: per se Exactly. where do you fall as a third straight guy in this podcast where do you <laughs> fall is he attractive in this movie or is he not
2: oh gosh in this movie in this movie he he seems just he seems so kind of dumb and kind of like quiet (laughs) but are you attracted to him I'm (laughs) I'm not no I can't say I am but you know I'm a sapiosexual I'm like into the brain you know Uh, (laughs) then you're definitely not into him
1: I don't know like I can't point to a specific like but just like early on like him being like moody on the train I was like oh I get it like I get why women would be like you know aside from the underwear model (laughs) and stuff like that but actually I have a question for you Zach though Uh, had you seen this movie before or if not why did you pick this you just randomly pick one
2: I, I thought I'd heard of it I don't know I mean maybe I was thinking of stomp the yard or I don't know I was <laughs> I don't know well, Charlize was nodding unfortunately <laughs> to be honest I don't know much about, about Charlize I, I was actually going to ask it you guys
1: neither do we <laughs> how are we pronouncing her last
2: name Theron
1: it's Theron So the, the, Theron so the, okay so here's how dumb we are so we named the show Watch the Theron and then somebody sent us a link of like her telling the interviewer the, her like the story of her last name in South African it's like Throon Like, it's like this really sort of guttural one-syllable word or sound. Well, we should
2: do that, then. Yeah. (laughs) It's like that
1: scene in Splash where you can't
2: pronounce the roommate's
1: name. It's like... And she comes to America, and her agent is like, you need to Americanize this. And she's like, okay, it's going to be Theron. And then as soon as she did, everyone's like, all right, cool, Charlie's Theron. And so like, <laughs> even though she tried to play by the game, people don't care. So we named it Watch the Theron, yeah. and then before we even recorded our first episode, we're like, well, we're bad. So Watch it's it her name is actually Charlie's Theron.
2: Okay, interesting.
1: That's the charm of
0: us. Like, we just rush into things head on without looking and <laughs> <laughs> stick with it, you know? We commit to the bit. Well, that's
2: how I pick the yards.
1: There you go. (laughs) But, like, editing these episodes, I'm just like, oh, like... We get it wrong all the time. Like, it's, it's you know, I'm trying, I'm trying.
0: We get it the wrong? Joey coined a wonderful phrase once when Brian was on and he said, uh, you, you pronounced that completely the wrong. <laughs> Did I? I don't remember that. It, right. it was on one episode. I think it was on it an episode of PSI episode. Love Hoffman,
1: I think, or something. Oh, no. wow. I am, I am smarter than I give myself credit for. All right. That was clever. Everyone had a great laugh. <laughs> you know what kind of annoyed me about this movie, and it's not the movie's fault at all? When the big scene goes down that they go to the train yard to like I guess mess up some other crew's trains or something I'm unclear what happens yeah I don't care.
0: that's their competitor yeah, yeah, yeah. they yes. go there and they sabotage the other guy's train so they yeah they sabotage so they
1: get all the contracts and shit so Joaquin Phoenix goes in to talk to the guy and he's trying to bribe the guy the guys like no 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 Mark Wahlberg's out there being a lookout because he just got out of prison and a cop comes up and the cop's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then Mark Wahlberg you know, hits him in the head, guy goes to the hospital. I recognized from his voice that it was David Zayas, a.k.a. Um, <laughs> Detective Bautista from Dexter, and I was like, yes, I got it, because I can do voices. Terrible at faces, terrible <laughs> with hair, as Mike knows. But I can do voices, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and I looked it up, and I was like, great. And then they just show his face over and over, and I was like, oh, man, Like, it's not like it's not cool that I know who he is now, because you <laughs> see him a bunch. I was so proud of myself, and You're I'm so like, pr- oh, well, yeah. like, you know, we see him in the movie we see him on TV, like we see him all like there's like come on man.
2: Well I believe you. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I believe you too. I, and well, I think you. that's harder to recognize someone by their voice sometimes. But did you catch the guy on their crew from The Wire? Uh, it's been a wire it's been a wire since I've watched The Wire, <laughs> but I don't remember his name. But on that show he's the big bald white dude who eventually becomes like a bodyguard Herc. yeah in this movie he's got hair he's got huh. like a little tuft of like pubes on his head <laughs> there's like this curly little like bit and yeah he just is like hey hey leo yeah glad you could be part of a crew and everything he's in like two scenes he's in the party in the beginning and then he's during that
1: train yard scene huh. hey guys editor joey here while editing this episode, I realized that my audio got really messed up somehow, to the point where it was basically unusable. Mike's track and Zach's track seem fine. I don't know what happened on my end, but it's not good. So instead of scrapping this episode or re-recording or doing another Cider House Rules in Memoriam episode, I also don't know what's happening on the Charlie's Theron podcast because, you know, we had no problems with Cage or Keanu, and now all of a sudden Charlize is, like, throwing us all sorts of technical difficulties. So I don't know. I'm sorry about this. But what I'm going to do is, since I am so I was so happy with the episode that we recorded, and, you know, the other tracks are fine, that I'm going to kind of recap and sort of set up what Mike and Zach were talking about, and see if I can remember what I was saying. So, a little bit of a weird thing here on the back half of this episode, but I hope you enjoy. Uh, if you want to turn it off, you can, but we have our pitch a sequel game coming up in a little bit. So hopefully you stick around, but just want to let you know what's going on. This first clip, the first thing that I said that the bridge from Mike talking about Herc in The Wire is that I said that there was another person that Mike mentioned that he had seen in this movie, a non-actor, if you will. Uh, we were all surprised that Mike saw this guy and recognized this guy.
0: Oh, yeah, and I'm the last person who probably should have recognized this guy um, because he's a sports figure and pretty major. I think I've turned it more into, like, a persona on the show that, like, one of my, you know, my limp in my eye patch is that I, I'm i not into sports, but I, I, I play that up more for the show. But I spied um, Keith Hernandez in, like, one shot of this movie. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I recognized him mostly from Seinfeld, although I was alive during the famous game... That went down in the 80s I, I didn't know about Keith Hernandez I'm not like a total idiot This is
2: all going over my uh, head. But
0: I mean I recognized him Because that episode I've seen like a thousand times And he's only in like you know maybe seconds of this movie so I took a screenshot and I sent it to Joey and I circled his head in red and I was like there he is.
2: Wait what what was he on Seinfeld? Wait I I don't remember this.
0: Oh he dated Elaine and then it was the big episode where um, there was a second spitter like uh, Kramer and uh, Kramer friend of the show because he and Charlize Theron did a movie together Uh but Kramer and Newman go to the Mets game and spit on Keith Hernandez and then it became the whole thing and Jerry is asked to move his furniture. So he was on like a (laughs) two-parter Seinfeld episode as one of Elaine's I guess I haven't seen that one. It's a classic.
1: Editor Joey again. I said that, you know, he played on the Mets. The Mets played in Queens. Maybe he was just like called on to set say, hey, be here for an afternoon and, you know, be in this one scene, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Meet James Caan maybe because I
0: think that's who he's like in the photo with her get a free lunch. I don't know.
1: Editor Joey here again. This is a weird exercise I'm doing. I know that's a weird exercise. I know that I could, in theory, just try to reword what I said and make it seem natural. But, like, we're we're above board here with you on Watch the Throne. We don't want to lie to you. I don't want to make you think that, like, oh, why does he sound a little bit different? Well, because something happened to my audio. What I said in this little gap here was that this movie, though I loved it, though it is a near masterpiece, and I don't care what Mike says, you know, we're going to convince him one day that this is a near masterpiece, I didn't know what to take notes on, and to sort of emulate Mike's thoughts and his opinions on stuff, I said it just it's the type of movie that I just let wash over me, uh, but then I did point out that I read on IMDb that the there was trivia about when Mark Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix fight each other in this movie, they agreed to actually fight each other. Although they wore knee and elbow pads, everything on screen is them actually beating each other up. There's no stunts. The entire thing was done over two takes from three different angles. There was also one point where Joaquin Phoenix accidentally hit Charlize Theron, and he also did actually fall down the stairs. So everything you see looks real because it is real
2: well i was wondering about that it looked like it was like damn those don't look like doubles like that looked real
0: yeah and that doesn't feel like choreography either no. like i noticed that moment i was like oh this is the movie this is like when the movie's working really well for me it's like these kind of moments where it's like a conventional scene like something you see like when the best friends finally go at it but it's you know, executed in a way that I've never really felt before. Uh, and it really made me feel what the movie was trying to do at that time where it's like realness and the gritty and like this moment is maybe like aside from the stabbing and that little like altercation in the yard and the end with Charlize goes over the rail pretty quickly. There's not a big like fight but like this is the fight this is like the action scene in the entire movie you know what I'm saying and like you really
2: wanted to watch an action movie didn't you no
0: (laughs) but it works really well like the more I think about it because of how sort of tempered the rest of the film is that like you get this explosive moment you know and it and it isn't pretty Mm. in the sense that they're not doing karate or anything (laughs) like that like they're actually brawling together and so yeah, I I really I like that part. Editor Joey back
1: asking, so do you mean it's a near masterpiece? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're 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 it's getting there, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> it's a piece of something. <laughs> <laughs> Editor Joey here once again. Hello, long time no talk. But I was saying that there there's some other trivia for this movie. They wanted to shoot it on an actual train lot. New York City wouldn't let them. They like built the set, then the last minute they actually got to shoot on the train lot, so that was cool. I said between that and the performances and the look and everything, it sometimes didn't feel like a movie, which I met as a compliment. It just sort of felt like guys on a train yard. So that was kind of cool. It's a it's a it's a unique type of movie.
2: I had some yeah, some notes. Why did he have to use a gun in the hospital to kill a dude? Like, like I was just like pillow, pillow. It's quiet.
0: Yeah, that felt a little drawn out (laughs) but i agree that was a very godfather type moment too you know and like michael has to go protect his dad because the guy's going to come and like kill him while he's in the hospital
1: and everything editor joey here again i said that there were a couple scenes with guns in this movie and i wondered if it was the studio saying that they needed guns because you know it might have been like the most boring trailer in history because this is not a movie where a lot of things happen and i wonder if the studio was like hey we need to sell this you need to put guns in there uh, Zach asked if none of these guns go off. I said there was a little bit of gunfire. You know, there's that there's a shootout in an apartment. You know, Walking uh, Phoenix sends a hitman to kill Mark Wahlberg, uh, but it's not John Wick.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, I said Walking uh, Phoenix's skin was so smooth it looked like CG at times. Did you guys get that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I said so. While I'm looking at Mark Wahlberg, you're looking at Joaquin Phoenix.
2: Hundred percent would would do. That dude is the best. I've I've had a crush <laughs> on him since Gladiator. He's great in Eight
0: Millimeter. Cage Club. Check out Eight oh. Millimeter. That's a that's sort of a gem. I said his name was Max California, which is just a great name. <laughs> yeah, one of the best names.
2: I Be Bangin' is the name I remember
0: most from Cage Club.
2: One of the guys writes checks for his bribes. I thought that seemed like bad bad (laughs) behavior. Oh, yeah. And, oh, the the, the nudity scene where they get naked to do the handoff. I thought that was like, what am I watching? Are they about to... (laughs) See... I thought it was like Is it yeah. corruption Or is it like homosexuality Like It's like The real story Is they're fucking So the deal there was
0: The dude's paranoid About wires And I can't believe Marky Mark Never put on a wire Like I thought That was all a setup Because that's how They were going to catch him At the end Was he was going to wear a wire And forget to check him Or something But that, I really That's another moment That I enjoyed Because I was like Whoa This is like a scene You see all the time Two guys meeting in, <laughs> in, You know In private somewhere In the middle of nowhere But then there's this extra step where they're fucking butt naked you know I'm like Mark Wahlberg I'm like what the fuck is that about you know and then he gets in the car and explains it and you know I buy it and it's so random and weird but it works really well because it uh, it's new and like different you know and it's got a weird sopranos vibe to that moment you know where it's just like let's get this yeah, fucking yeah. over with you know and like take your goddamn clothes off give me the fucking money and let's get out of here kind of thing <laughs> maybe leo's checking him out i don't know maybe that's the male gaze it's taking
2: the only it. time you can have a conversation if you're afraid of wires yeah
0: there you go maybe he's telling him about like all the other shit in his <laughs> life he, just, he can't ever tell it either it's like his therapy session.
2: Those others. I mean, that's kind of I think what makes it so artful is that all the places you expect Chekhov's gun to go off, it doesn't. You know, it's not constructed. It just kind of is. It like that it goes from point A to B to C and not back to A. You know? Mm.
0: Yeah, and especially like the climax is a handshake in the back of like a courthouse. Like it's climactic for the story, but visually it's very anticlimactic seeming, mm. but it does work. And again, I think like that's a good note for the movie like I would I don't think a trial is this t- this movie isn't g- supposed to have a trial scene you know what I'm saying like the trial scene takes place behind closed doors between all of the paid off officials making like a sleazy deal together it's and it, that's a nice moment too
2: you know what other movie didn't need a trial scene trial USS Indianapolis <laughs> Men of Courage oh my gosh USS Indianapolis
0: Men of Courage <laughs> when cage goes on trial at the end because they have to cover it up because it was a covert mission and then he goes home and blows his brains out
2: that was a bad one
0: then that anniversary like they were just coming out about like the uh, whole thing how it was a secret mission and then at the time like he got blamed for everything and so he killed himself in
1: disgrace yeah (laughs) so that was a bummer ending poor cage joey here again I had mentioned that as we were recording this I had just seen The Post the night before and it was a movie that I really liked but didn't like the way that I thought I was going to like because I had perceptions going into it. This is all all sort of a tangent. I don't remember exactly how I got into this but I was saying about how maybe it's the same thing with Mike that Mike was expecting an action movie and he said got this that's sort of a little bit more slow you know a a slow burn where the big moment is a handshake in a back room. If you go into this movie with an open mind you can come away with some good things.
2: Yeah I was like oh shit I'm watching I, got, I I I rolled the dice and I got the Godfather. That's that's pretty cool.
1: I said that Zach got kind of lucky here, and he hasn't picked this well this blindly since he picked the Family Man for Cage
2: Club. Oh man, the Family Man. <laughs> His first show. When I thought that was oh, because I, I thought the Family Man was uh, the Weather Man, I think. <laughs> and I wanted to Happy and I accident. wanted to see something involving yeah like archery, and I didn't.
1: And then as I do every week, I asked if Mike and Zach had any last thoughts about this movie. Uh,
2: I, no, Pretty good. Four out of five.
0: I just had two things running through my mind during this movie. Uh, the first one was uh, how much of a hard ass his parole officer seemed and then just vanished the rest of the movie. Like I uh, thought yeah. it would have... you know, I just really hate when they never check in with their parole officers and it's totally cool. Uh, there's an opportunity in this movie for him to actually go to that guy for some help or something or try to figure shit out and then he just never shows back up well he movie.
2: was he was in trouble when he disappeared and there was a thing i don't know if even the officer himself even showed up but he was in serious trouble for not
0: yeah they swatted his mom's apartment looking for him and everything yeah, yeah but that guy never showed showed up again. Yeah. The only, uh, the other thing was, and this is more like, this isn't exactly a serious thing or else because there just wouldn't be a movie, but it's just like, like Mark Wahlberg goes to James Caan and James Caan's like, you know, I'll have you on the machines, but you got to go to school and it takes a couple of years, this and that and the other thing. Like, couldn't Mark Wahlberg just like try and find like something else to do? <laughs> like, did he have to work on the yards with Joaquin Phoenix? Like, I know he really wanted to work with Joaquin Phoenix because he's flashing money and he really wants money and he's really like hard up for money but like the minute he sees that like shady shit is going down like he doesn't say anything or do it like he's still complicit like he's going along like he's new he knows he can get caught and he's still going along it just kind of seems like that's not the dude they were setting up he's necessarily. Not smart. Like, it seems like he would be a little more yeah a little smarter than that but i guess that i guess maybe that's the whole point is
1: that he's in he's a dumb dumb or something like he just gets... he's just
2: like a good-hearted dumb dumb
1: hi it's editor joey again how is this going are you liking this is this weird is this good, let me know, email us watch at cageclub.me we have an email address, let me know what you think anyway, Zach was talking about or Zach and Mike were both talking about how Mark Wahlberg is a good-hearted dum-dum, but I was saying he just got out of prison, you know, he doesn't want to go back he doesn't want to snitch, it's his family he doesn't really know anyone else it seems like in the beginning of the movie everyone he knows in the world is at that party and so he's got two different family members offering him a job, you know, everybody who cares about him is reaching out to him, you know, cons job is safer and less flashy, but Joaquin Phoenix is like, hey, here's $200 just for taking this car ride with me and staring at my butt from the car window while me and this other dude get naked. It, it's an easy pick for me. Like, He's going to do that train job.
2: And who's going to hire an ex-con anyway outside of his family?
1: No, I mean, yeah, it, it would be
0: extremely hard to find something he would feel good about doing, but it would be honest, and you know, he wouldn't go back to jail, so I understand. Look, I mean, that's, I'm not putting that against the movie
2: by any means. There would be no You should movie. go watch uh, Les Miserables. That's <laughs> I've, seen, I've
0: seen I've seen it I've seen it but uh, I was just about to sing a bar. But I'm not <laughs> Me <going> too. There. <laughs> but no, like uh, I guess my final word is like I don't think I don't think this is a bad movie. I just don't think it's close to a masterpiece <laughs> either. I think it's fine. Like it's right. It's it does some interesting things with some very familiar material, you know. So it's if you're into these kinds of movies, like it's definitely high up there uh, in in this genre. And it's completely unknown. I feel like nobody really knows about this movie. So you know, spread the word about it. I. I I know people who would like this way more I mean I do know two people who like this more than me but I mean I, I feel like I know a lot of people who would like this movie like it feels like a movie like my dad would really enjoy or my brother or my other oh, yeah. brother so I would uh, recommend it to and my mom would actually kind of enjoy it you've
2: seen all the other crime movies
1: yeah it's a, the whole family affair right oh,
2: literally a family affair yeah well yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> hi it's Joey again editor Joey you know as opposed to podcast Joey who does not exist at this space in time but you know that already I think I made a joke about how it's a real family affair because Mike was just rattling off all the different family members of his who would like the movie so I was like ha ah, real family affair laugh 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 didn't know where to cut that in saying it after the fact always good to say the punchline after the audience has laughed rule number one of showbiz so anyway we're moving on to the game now it's called pitch a sequel Basically, if there was a yards two, what would it be? We have nine different genres. We randomly pick a number between one and nine. Everyone gets a different number. Zach goes first as the guest. Sorry to throw him under the bus. He got a five, which is a gritty reboot. So take it away,
2: Zach. A grittier, a grittier than it already is. <laughs> Oh my God! All right, just add Batman. Yeah, right. <laughs> After ratting out his family, Mark Wahlberg is ambushed by Frank, has his eyes gouged out. That's that's how they they get to him. They say, you know, you're never gonna see anything again, and you're not gonna. You know, they, they take his tongue too. You're never gonna say a thing. And his hearing <laughs> gets really good. He finds himself in all these dark rooms, all these places, and he hears all these really shady goings on, but he can't tell anybody. So he becomes a vigilante, crime fighter a la Daredevil, uh, and starts uh, taking justice into his own hands. And they they, they call him the Snitch. (laughs) But that's perfect
1: for like a crime fighter. Yeah. (laughs) Snitch. (laughs) It's Joey again. I can't believe I called podcasting show business in the last little clip, but I'm not going back and editing it now. What is said is said. Anyway, I asked Zach what his title is for his movie. This is also something that I ask Mike later. So when he just sort of addends his title onto his thing that's because i asked him that too so past present future what an update this is
2: the snitch the yards to the snitchening
1: <laughs> joey again back already before i even expected to be back i love zach's idea for the snitchening so that's great i also at this point in the podcast wanted to mention that Charlie does die in this movie i feel like we mentioned that earlier but did not really give it the credit deserve because she keeps dying and dying and dying in all these movies toward the end of the movie she confronts Joaquin Phoenix in their house and in a fit of rage or passion or something he pushes her over a balcony and she falls and breaks her neck and like basically becomes a puddle of blood and dead body, so, you know, we tease that she died, but we want to give it the recognition it deserves.
0: I think we actually have to remind them before we sign off, too, exactly (laughs) how it went down again, because, you're right, like, I think we, like, this is, this is the Charlize podcast, and we totally just like breezed over one of like <laughs> her most brutal deaths where she ends up like mangled and her arms in four diff like her arms and legs are in four different directions when she hits the floor like yeah. that
1: shot of her. Like her head is like basically backwards on her body. It's it's gross. It's me, back again, you know who. I said, Alright, this is Mike's turn for the game. We got another five. We skipped that one. We got a six. It's one that we did last week. It's horror. I said there's one caveat for Mike. We cannot bring Charlie's back from the dead because that's something that Duke did last week for reindeer games. So take it away, Mike.
0: That's okay. No. <laughs> that's all right. I actually have I might have a uh, a direction here. So wait, so the yards two as a horror film. Alright, so Mark Wahlberg, he's he's like kind of grief stricken about everything that's gone down and everything. So like he decides that because of like everything he did and all that shit like they're gonna let him be the security guard at the yards that to take the job of the dude joaquin phoenix stabbed all right so he's on the yards lot he's going to night school he's getting his machinist license he's getting his life on track and everything at night he hears weird shit and like Sometimes, like, he'll be patrolling, like, the yards and uh, he'll start, like, sort of, like, blacking out and shit and, like, wake up and, like, not know where he is and all that kind of thing. Uh, So, like, you come to find out that the yards are haunted, And they're trying to take over Mark Wahlberg and get him to go and, like, murder the other sort of, like, train moguls all around. And then at the end, you find out that it's been haunted by, like, one of the oldest train moguls from New York history, like, back in, like, the 1910s. And he's trying to exact his revenge through Mark Wahlberg. And Wahlberg creates a machine that he attaches to one of the trains that when he drives it at a certain speed, a certain way, it traps the ghost. And he sort of, like, destroys it and he lifts the curse. And at the end, he goes home and, like, you think everything's fine and all that. Then, like, at the last second, like the ghost of the train yard like jumps at him and it's like you know sets up another sequel
2: shut up and take my money
0: that's where i'm going <laughs> um the yards to hmm, yard sale
2: oh i think ghost train
0: <laughs> i mean it's a better title it doesn't really it doesn't really fit yeah. i guess but i can't i can't give up on the title i, yard I, just, sale. I just like yard sale
2: I don't, i'm like not the good at this family comedy yet. version <laughs>
1: Hi, it's Joey again. So I got a seven, which is sci-fi. I said it makes sense that a movie that is realistic and grounded as this would spawn a sci-fi sequel. I said that Mark Wahlberg, for some reason, becomes obsessed with astronomy. That, you know, he gets out of prison in this first movie, he starts working some jobs, he wants to go to night school to become an astronomer. He start, He you know he looks up to the skies in Queens and gets really into the stars. Somewhere along the line, you know, he gets really good at this, he goes to a little school outside of Boston, you gotta have some kind of Boston connection here. He goes to a little school outside of Boston. That's where he, you know, Harvard, parentheses, Harvard. And he, at some point, hears a voice on the radio. He recognizes it. It's not static. This is not the astronaut's wife. But he recognizes and he realizes the voice of his dead cousin, Charlize Theron, whom he still loves. And so it's a a story about a man's passion for the stars, a passion for his dead cousin. You know, he doubles down and tries to reconnect with Charlize. It's a little bit frequency, a little bit interstellar, a little bit Mark Wahlberg at a little school outside of Boston. The Yards 2, no subtitle I went with. Uh, Zach suggested Boneyards, which I said was a better title for Mike's, and then he
0: said, mm, "I came up with a new title for mine, if I may. It's a little okay. It's more of a horror sequel title. The yards to the yardening." <laughs> I'm just glad that yours wasn't about how the train turned into a giant robot named Optimus Train, and together <laughs>
1: they went and they fought. Like, all right. So you heard all three of our pitches. You heard all three of our titles, or lack thereof, in my case. And so if you like these, or like the yards, or like the podcast, or like this weird thing I'm trying to do here to salvage this podcast, email us, watch at cageclub.me. We don't have mail today. not sure if we're ever going to have mail, but we do want to hear from you. We do want to know what you think. That said, we have one other segment on the show, the awards, uh, you know, the golden wallpapers tentatively. But these are, instead of going through at the end and trying to remember what was good, what was bad, we are going to go through film by film and nominate things in real time. In this movie, I nominated it for Best Death. I also threw it in for Best Film since it is a minor masterpiece, maybe. Uh, And then I asked if Zach or Mike had anything else to nominate, either good or bad. Doesn't necessarily have to be Charlize-related. I said, do you think that Joaquin Phoenix should be nominated for Best Male, non-Charlize role? And they said yes, so we nominated him as well. And Then yeah, I think so
0: because you know, especially his turn at the end when they kind of finally catch him and he's like raise, he's like crying and raising his hands in his car and not resisting, and they're like, yeah, I think he's he 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 concludes the arc nice and he yeah, he's badass in this movie.
2: Best mumbles.
0: <laughs> yeah, least discernible
2: dialogue. Least discernible dialogue. Uh,
0: I had one best love
1: triangle. Mm. I said that I love the idea of a best love triangle because we have best love story, worst love story. Now we have best love triangle. I also added in the love triangle from Mighty Joe Young between Jill, Joe, and Greg. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you could even do uh, Keanu, the devil, and her maybe and uh, Devil's Advocate,
1: I don't know.
2: Most tasteful <laughs> incest?
1: <laughs> after Zach's joke about most tasteful incest, I mentioned that I was glad that the movie addressed it because otherwise I would have spent the whole movie and after the movie wondering if there was something there that I was reading too much into or not. So I'm glad that the movie addressed that they actually actually did get caught having sex or whatever. Yeah.
2: No,
0: I'm I'm glad I missed it, man, because that's what was so weird about it. Like, that was another moment for me where I was like, this is where the movie's, like, working, even though I don't understand it because it's taking relationships in, like, weird areas and stuff, like kissing cousins and things. Like, I was... I, I was kind of liking it more without the explanation
2: I thought it was but, interesting it, it fleshed out the universe for me it made it just be like, just because it wasn't necessarily plot important but it was tone important
0: yeah and I think it was just so obvious that they wanted to get down to like the two actors just like looking at each other across the room I was like it's so obvious they needed to I guess they needed eventually they need to explain a reason why they don't more than anything else
2: well it's, it's better than in movies when like two characters ostensibly are interested in each other and there's no chemistry like I'm really glad yeah it worked it worked
0: yeah that's another thing too right like there was chemistry and they couldn't it was like, taboo is forbidden, so like, there's
1: just an extra level of tension. Yeah. And then I asked if we should nominate for Best Score slash Soundtrack, and we did. And then I asked if we should do Best Director, because we did for Cage Club, I think, Worst Returning Director and maybe One Other Thing, but that wasn't something that we had really talked about here so far on Watch the Throne. We don't have that. We haven't done Best Director yet. Like, I don't know. There's a couple we haven't really... So we didn't really come to a consensus. We sort of held off on best director, still not a category to this date. But I did say that uh, you know this isn't the greatest film of the 21st century, as we were kind of joking at one point that it was. But you know I love it, and I can see why people would think it's awesome. Someone was like, hey, I give it a five out of five stars. I get that. So that was that.
2: Well, what would this movie be the worst at? Where is there anything worst about this movie?
1: I
0: wouldn't say this is a bad movie. Yet, you know, especially what's come before. I'm afraid to score it now and let her buy. <laughs> like...
2: I might go to 4.5.
1: So this is sort of the end of the show, and I thank Zach for being here. I thanked him, honestly, way too many times. I don't know why I thanked him as many times as I did. Uh, you know, I was just happy that he was here to watch a movie that I loved or I thought I loved or I really liked, then your masterpiece, so on and so forth. Give me some backup ammunition against Mike. Uh, we made some Titanic jokes about how I can never let him go, talked about how Titanic was a minor masterpiece. Uh, Mike made some jokes about how he wasn't entirely convinced, but he was just joking because we all like Titanic here. We're not going to say what Zach will be back for. He will be back for the show. He's coming back for a pretty big movie that I forgot Charlize was in. I think we might have also added him to another movie or two aside from that one. So we are doing lots of cool, fun, big things with Zach coming up in the near future. And I also mentioned that since this episode comes out at the end of February, Next week, if all goes according to plan, Mike's first episode of his podcast, Third Time to Charm, should be coming out next week, right? Coming out on March
0: 3rd, Superman 3. I'll even, there's a little, I was going to say I'm going to tease it, but I'm just going to reveal
1: it right now. It's episode 1 featuring Joey, Superman 3. And so as I do at the end of every show, I encourage you all to go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. I promoted the episodes that Zach had been on before, the movie that we all love, The Family Man. We all love Freaked on Keanu Club, where Keanu plays Ortiz the dog boy. We all talked about how great those were. You know, if you want to email us, let us know. This is the last time. This might be the last time that I say anything on here as Editor Joey. So email watch at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of this. Go to facebook.com cageclub at cageclubpod on Twitter and cageclub.me for all shows on our network. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Zach Dazon. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne.